0: Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome guest moderator, BBC Radio 1 and Six Music DJ, Edith Bowman.
1: Wow. Hello everyone and everyone at the back. What an amazing turnout uh, today and quite rightly so. Um, I was lucky enough to see the film this week. Uh, it's, uh, It's coming out on September the 13th and it's absolutely Incredible. Even if you're you're not a Formula One fan, it's a fantastic story. Incredible performances, and I, I'm very much looking forward to getting involved and in, in talking about it, and, and also getting your questions as well. So, start thinking of your questions. Some of you may have them already. And um, before we welcome out our guests, uh, let's just take a look, um, a little snap look at this incredible film, Rush.
0: It's a lie that all drivers tell themselves. Death is something that happens to
2: other people. What kind of person does a job like this? Each year, two of us die. James can be a loose cannon. Nick is a genius setting up the cars. I accept every time I get in my car, there's 20% chance I could die.
0: Being driven around 170
2: miles per hour, this thing's a bomb on wheels. I'm quicker than all of you, and let's race.
0: I feel responsible for what happened.
2: You were. I trust you. Watching you win those races. You were equally responsible for getting me back in the car. I'm world champion on the verge to become world champion again. I can beat this guy, trust me.
0: It's a wonderful way to live. It's the only way to drive. The closer
2: you are to death, the more alive you feel.
1: It's an absolute honor to welcome to the stage the man behind the film, uh, Mr. Ron Howard and his leading men from the film, Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Bruhl. Hello,
3: hi. Hello. How are you? I'm
1: great. I thought you were going to take a picture of me. I am going to. I'm taking a picture of everybody.
3: (laughs) I think Twitter (laughs) friendly crowd, I'd say. You're mad for it, aren't you? Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was he like this in filming, Uh, constantly tweeting Yeah, we shot the whole movie on
0: (laughs) the (laughs) 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 Osmo.
1: Um, welcome along today, uh, right. gentlemen, I've got so much to talk about, congratulations, I, I'm one of the lucky ones who's seen this film and it's spectacular. Oh, thank um, you very much. Um, Ron, if we can start with you, we've, we, we've seen already through your creativity, your portrayal of real stories, real events, real people, what was it about this particular story that was attractive for you?
3: It, w- it, was, uh, it was the combination of, of, of qualities. First of all, the, the characters were so unique, so entertaining, and, and, and I thought, you know, cool. They, they were unlike characters that I'd ever really dealt with before in a, in, in a movie. Uh, I thought the 70s was something that, while I'd done a f- couple of movies, Frost Nixon, Apollo 13, that were set in the 70s, they were, they were just an anecdote. They were just a little factor in those. Here, I thought this story couldn't really happen any era other than the 70s. And I remember that period. You know, that was just the moment when, when Happy Days was exploding, and it was sort of the first um, American comedy that really took off all over the world. And so I, I knew what the 70s felt like in, in Europe and in other places, and I thought we could depict that. But it was also that I felt like that in the, it, sort of in the director's toolkit, there was enough technological advancement in the last few years that I thought that for the, for the first time ever, you could actually recreate Formula One in a way that was authentic visceral, that I could sort of try to up do for, with Formula One what, what we were able to achieve with Apollo 13, which meant a lot to me. But, but again, combine something that really belonged on the big screen with really cool, interesting characters. So it's a thinking person's entertainment, but it demands to be seen, on, seen and felt and experienced on the big screen. And so I just thought it was a rare combination, really a chance to make a unique movie.
1: And, and were, you, were you aware of these, these men? To,
3: you know? No, I mean I didn't. Uh, Peter Morgan started to tell me about it. We had done Frost/Nixon. Yeah. I n- immediately knew that you know these kinds of extreme rivals, uh, you know that he he would he would write them in a way that was, you know, typical Peter Morgan. It would be smart. It would be funny. It would be a, you know unsentimental and yet emotional. Um, and but I think as I saw um, Chris and Daniel begin to develop the characters. Part of the thing that I began to appreciate was that these guys were absolute individualists. And I think if, if this movie actually celebrates anything, there are no good guys, there are no bad guys, but you have to look at it and say, man, they really they did it their way, and they didn't, they didn't bend from that. Yeah. And I think there's something really honorable about that.
1: Well, before we, we meet our, uh, our leading men, let's take a look at the first time they meet before they even step into Formula One. This is a scene from the film.
2: It was my line. I had that corner.
0: What do you mean the one that you spun out of and finished facing the other way? I think that corner had you.
2: <laughs> that move was total suicide. But if I hadn't break? We'd have crashed. Well, no, no, but we didn't, did we? Thanks to your impeccable survival instincts. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? It's very simple. Hunt. It rhymes with a word that happened to describe you perfectly. <laughs> Who is that? I have no idea. He looks like a rat, doesn't
1: he? <laughs> um, this, this this chemistry between these two men, which which was more it was more than rivalry, wasn't it? It was it was more than competitiveness. It was <coughs> Chris. How would how would you describe the relationship? And also, how would you describe James? Uh, y-
0: y- the interesting thing was when I um, you know first read the script and started doing research about this character and these guys, the uh, contrasting and and uh, y- you know difference in opinions about who james was and about you know he was this uh you know rock star of the 70s and, and formula one and 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 you know slept with thousands of women and drank and smoked his way through that that period but there was um you know depending on who you spoke to different versions of that you know so some said that that was a, a built up by the media or some said there was a vulnerability or a darkness to this the sky and, but, you know, the contradictions that would play within that guy you know, kind of fascinated me. And the relationship with Nikki and, and James, um, I mean, there was this incredible rivalry, but there was a real yin and yang that existed between the two of them. And, and Nikki had something James didn't, and James envied, and I think vice versa. And, uh,
1: they almost kind of needed each other, didn't they, in a way?
0: Absolutely. I think they both brought out something within the other one and forced them into, uh, you know, the, the, the to be the best they could at whatever it was they were doing on and off the track i think they both uh, forced the other one to question you know the, their motives in life and, and and the way they raced
1: yeah uh, daniel for you you had the, the the luxury i imagine of 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 Nicky being around to to or maybe it wasn't a luxury maybe it was terrifying <laughs> i don't want <laughs> to tell us um of, of, of having him there to to approach did, did you and how, how was that what was, what was the first it meeting was like? frightening at first <laughs>
2: because as you will see in the movie, he is not very <laughs> diplomatic. So I remember the first conversation on the phone. He said to me, uh, Well, I guess we have to meet now. And I said, Well, it uh, would be good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come to Vienna, but just bring hand luggage. In case we don't like each other, you can piss off right away. So <laughs> I said, uh, <laughs> said uh, Okay. <laughs> so I <laughs> went to Vienna with my tiny little bag and <laughs> fortunately <laughs> I had to buy some extra clothes in Vienna because you know uh, I s- didn't <laughs> have to <piss> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> 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 and he even took me to Brazil to, uh, to a Grand Prix to meet drivers and he was very very gentle and he supported all of us all the way through You yeah. know, even when we were shooting we could call him anytime yeah. if we had any doubts or questions so
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, one time we were getting ready I had a, a bunch of cameras one day I had as many as 30 cameras on the, on the grid starts so r- and this is logistically you know it's crazy, a limited amount of time. We've got everybody there in their cars. And uh, we're getting ready to roll, and I'm looking over, and Daniel's going like this. And I look, and I see he's, got his, he's, got, he's in the cockpit of the car, but he's got his cell phone up there. And I realized that he was calling Lauda because he was trying to figure out whether he's supposed to put his helmet on first and then the gloves, or the gloves and then the helmet. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, and, and But we, those kinds of details matter to actors yep. like this to try to get the authenticity.
1: Well, that, I mean, that's the thing about the look of the film uh, so much about the film is the, o- the authenticity, but does it make it easier or harder for filmmakers and for, for actors when, when you have those people still around? You obviously want to have a, you know, it's it's your creative approach to their story, but you also uh, want to stay true, I imagine, to, as much as you can.
0: I, suppose, yeah. I mean, yep. you know, James wasn't around obviously yeah. when, uh, you know, to, to, to as a resource for myself, but. Yeah. Um, as i said before the difference in opinion about him was you know incredibly uh, contradictory you know and um, and i remember getting to a point where i was reading articles about him and books and biographies and watching interviews and and then just before we started shooting Ron said do you want to come there's a we're having drinks with a whole bunch of uh, drivers and what have you from you know who were in the 70s new james new nicky and um you know, it's just sort of a kick-off party to us shooting the film. And I said, oh, sure, come along. Like, <laughs> it's the worst thing I could have done. <laughs> uh, because I got there and every one of them had, had you know, wow, well, you know, he doesn't speak like that. It, he doesn't, <laughs> you, know, he doesn't, you know, he does this he does this and all these different opinions. And um, you, uh, you, it all of a sudden kind of made me realise I've got to take the approach that James did to, to life and to racing, which was head down, go for it, regardless of other people's opinions. Don't get caught in in the, you know, what's going on out here and in, in with everyone else and, and just do what you believe is, is correct and, you know, love or hate what he did and however outrageous certain actions might have been, I, I, I think most of us have got to admire the honesty that he approached racing with and, and his life, which was, this is who I am, take it or leave it, you know, uh, a, a refusal to, uh, you know, conform to some standard and, and then censor himself and, mm-hmm. um it's, it's refreshing, I think, in life, but especially our business, where you're constantly having to, um, you know, occasionally think, oh, you know, should I say this or avoid that or yeah. this? And these guys didn't. Both of them, that's what they had in common. No matter how different they were at their approaches, both had this incredible honesty about this is how I'm going to do things, and this is me, and this is, this is my approach.
3: You now I have a question. It was never really an option because Nicky Lauda is so busy, but you had that pre-production time with him. I had chances to interview him. Had he been more willing to be around the set more, do you think that would have been a plus or a minus on Apollo thirteen? For example, Jim Lovell did the same kind of thing with Tom Hanks. You know, he spent a lot of time with him, but Lovell also was very busy, and I and I actually didn't really want Lovell to no. be there. And right. I think Tom felt like it would it would sort of in- in- inhibit yeah. him. Yeah, do you, but do you think you would yeah, have? Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, no,
2: yeah. no, no. Twice and he's uh, he's because he's so busy and he gets bored (laughs) very Mm -hmm. quickly, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just visited us for 10 minutes. Okay, this is it. Yeah, good. Bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) This is boring. (laughs) 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 But fortunately it is because you are absolutely right. That would have, you know, would have disturbed me to have him around. It was good to have him and to call him and, you know, to get his advice, but not having him hanging around on
3: set. But when we screened uh, Peter and I screened about 30 minutes of the uh, of the of the movie. This is probably in I don't know January when we were still doing post production, yeah. sound mixing in Berlin uh, to the German Film Academy. A lot of people Daniel's worked with in the past, some of them, and uh, they saw it. They were they they were so impressed with what Daniel did. But they uh, they started saying they asked, did we get Nicky Lauda to you know do ADR to loop and replace all of Nikki's all of Daniel's dialogue because the accent was so good. Yeah. And I was uh ask you about that. And we said uh, n- uh no it's him and they started to argue with me about <laughs> it. They, they, they didn't believe me but uh, that's that was a high praise. How yeah. did you
1: how did you nail it Daniel? How did you What's the process <laughs> I spent one month
2: in Vienna yeah of course <laughs> 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 but uh, no I spent one month in Vienna because it was a crucial thing to me the accent because it's so different to the german accent and it it adds that portion of arrogance irony and cockiness that Niki lauda has and the viennese have you know they they they're so different to us um, they have a sense of humor which is so much better than, than ours in Germany, which is not difficult, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're much closer to the English, or so. They have a very dark sense of humour, and they're very ironic, and I wanted to to nail that accent, and I had a dialect coach who helped me with that, and then the time that I spent with Nikki, obviously.
1: Chris, what about yours? Yours is great, also.
2: Um,
0: yeah, Did I mean, you kind of, you got a, you're treated as a, uh, I don't know, I mean... Uh, like I think of it as a muscle you've got to train up and, and yeah. repetition and uh, you know listening to a, a ton of audio uh, recordings and interviews with James and, and then the cadence but it was tricky because it was it, it was not only you know another accent but it was the 70s and, a, and then it was a specific uh, you know period but also area and he was a public school boy but then you had this you know, tendency for James to kind of not want to be seen as a posh public school boy, so there was a slight roughness that he was, I think, trying to throw in there.
3: Um, well, you know, remember, remember at one point, some of the people, uh, w- uh, I think it was a read-through, and and uh, and the, the the you know some of the p- English producers and people who were around said, James's uh, Chris's accent's perfect for James, but it's it's actually it's actually strange. And it yes, it's exactly what James sounds like on YouTube. It's, it's, it's Technically, it's fantastic. But to a modern audience, even an English audience, it's, it, is, it is a little too polished. And so remember we actually got the interview of his son? Yeah, that's right. just a little more contemporary. And, and just loosened it up yeah. just a little bit.
0: Th- there was some actually someone else shooting somewhere in, in, in New York or somewhere, and and he, they, they were doing an accent. And he said, Someone drove past and yelled out the window, Yo, you guys shooting the movie or something? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, If I did that accent, no one would believe it's real. Yeah. Like so <laughs> that was like, from that <laughs> yeah. specific area. Yeah, yeah. And I think the same thing kind of fed into what we're doing. We're trying to, you know, you, you, you want to. Uh, do it all the you know the the exactly the way it was, but you take into account well what's the audience you're showing it to, and, and the, you know the, the does there need to be an edge to it or contemporary kind of feel or what? So there's a lot, but in the end it was it, it came back to you know you train up your instincts and then you uh, once you're in front of the camera you got to let that go and it's got to just be your voice coming through. I, but
3: I've had a dozen people come up to me who said I look I I knew James I raced with him compet- competed with him trained trained under him. I was a guy last night that I met with. Uh, you know, he tutored me, or in t- racing and so forth, and and um, just you know saying that that Chris completely nailed James, which yeah. is cool. yeah, high praise. We're
1: going to see a, a little clip here right now, which is a is a great little scene um, where they're they're both signing autographs, but it's a it's a good bitching scene. I like uh-huh. well. I
2: this one. High praise, is in. How's it going so far? It's fine. <laughs> just got a little problem with an Austrian rat, and his team of Italian cheats have destroyed my car. What are you talking about? Talking about the race in Spain that I won? Yeah. In a car which is not legal. Five eighths, seven inches too wide.
0: You know that doesn't have the slightest effect on speed. But you complained and your team have always leaned on the authorities. Now we've
2: had to rebuild the car and it's become a monster. At least it's a legal monster. So you've had to resort to cheating. You're driving an illegal car and call me the cheat? It's pathetic. Rules are rules. Yes. And rats are rats. Thank you. Thank you. Do you really think it upsets me, James? Calling me a rat because I look like one? I don't mind it. Reds are ugly, sure, and nobody likes them, but they're very intelligent and they have a strong survival instinct. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> there's,
1: there's so much comedy there as well between them, you know, in terms of this just back and forth. It's almost like, the script's almost like a race in itself in terms of, you know, and where they are, you know, one's ahead of the other and then the other one's out in front as well. How much the dialogue was was real, you know, from from Peter talking to to Nikki. How, how much of that was
2: was you know was, was real, you
3: know? Uh, a lot of Nikki's lines are 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 real, and then he would build around them. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, and there are probably at, you know a, a dozen or so places where there are certain phrases that he's used that are just right right out of Nikki. But again, Peter had a chance to interview Nikki. Um, uh, we, we looked at a lot of interviews for, for James, and, uh, you know, and that's more you know, sort of invented by, by Peter, although Chris was pretty aggressive about going through, pouring over the interviews and finding phrases, finding words, and, and sometimes we'd build them into the scenes or sometimes we'd even shoot little mm-hmm. extra bits just to try to encompass that. yeah
1: Boys dream driving fast cars. Mm. This has got to have been fun on that level. I mean, did you actually physically get to get involved in that? Was there
2: an yeah. element of training yeah.
1: as well?
2: And he uh, manipulated my car. I had an accident when I first tested my Ferrari. Yeah. The, wheel, the came wheel came off. Yeah. I'm
0: going to help him find out who manipulated <laughs> the <their> vehicle. <laughs> 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 the wheel came off. It's actually true. Dr- we were doing a uh, kind of re- rehearsals in a, in a parking lot and pr- practicing pulling in and out of the pits and then, you know, aggressive sort of turns and what have you. And I was standing the other side of the, the lot, watching, and Daniel's going through this big kind of burnout, and the wheel comes off, and starts, and then, you know, flew into the crowd of people who were standing there, and people dive out the way, and Daniel bounces <laughs> on the axle, and the car was, like, inches away from doing a complete, you know, the 180, and... Uh, with his head protruding from the the, the Dirty tricks the thing. by Hunt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who did it. I don't uh, know who uh, s- unscrewed that word. Well, then he was thinking it. that I did it so that he would <laughs> so that yeah. Yeah. he would understand <laughs> what a crash was tentative. all about. <laughs> <laughs> <and so laughs> You're <know>, so <laughs> a very suspicious fellow, <laughs> <dang> <laughs> Mr. Rule. <Rool. Yeah.
3: laughs> <laughs> so
1: apart from the little bits of training in a car park, I imagine there was quite a bit more involved as well. No, there was, and a lot
0: more than we kind of anticipated. I think, you know, the usual sort of safety... Regulations and what have you at the beginning, and the more we started shooting, and whenever we could, we'd grab pieces, and it would be like, "Quick, jump in the car, and let's do this." And uh, Anthony Dobmanthel, who was a cinematographer, had cameras mounted, you know, in our in our helmets, in the visors, all over the you know the chassis of the car, and, and different positions, and and uh, and you see, it's us in there driving, and there a few scenes pulling into the pits, visor up, dialogue, and drive back out again. And um, I mean, for me, that was one of the 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 best uh, you know parts of this shoot was being able to drive those things which most people don't have that yeah you
2: know or you, c- you can't access that experience if, you're, if I imagine you're it's almost else a
1: way of getting character as well in terms yeah. of you're in, oh, this, yeah. you're in their home you're in their
2: but yeah. after the movie, I learned I wouldn't be a good race driver. <laughs> 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 it's so tough. And twice I wanted to be a co-pilot with professional drivers. I did this in Le Mans and in Germany at, uh, with a DTM uh, mm-hmm. racer. And it's incredible what these guys do. Yeah. So it's easy to drive fast. In Germany, we don't have limit on the on our autobahn, so you can yeah. we can right. drive as fast as we want. But if something unpredictable happens, it's so difficult to get these, these race cars yeah. under control. It's... Um, Ron, you're doing Tough an inc-
1: incredible job of making you feel like you're in the cars with them. You're, you're really experiencing it all with them and stuff. And th- the authenticity of the film in terms of, you know, you f- you feel like this these actually races that happened. How much did you shoot? Did you use old footage? I mean,
3: we we did use old footage in a few places in a couple of different ways. Sometimes we used it on television, you know, when yeah. the TV screens. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes we did a sort of a Forrest Gump trick, where we would have a great shot, but it was from a, the wrong race, or it didn't feature either you know Nikki or James's car. And so instead of like putting Tom Hanks next to Richard Nixon, we <laughs> would we would put the McLaren or the Ferrari into an otherwise uh, great shot that would suddenly help tell our story and give it scope and authenticity, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was very important. Um, and uh, uh, it, you know, it definitely also influenced the, uh, the aesthetic for, for that. But we did far more in-camera action than I ever expected we would. Really? Uh, well, you know, Jeremy Clarkson is friends with Eric Fellner, one of the producers, and he actually recommended a couple of precision drivers that he's just <laughs> known over the years. Uh, and uh, and, you know, and, and, and they, they were able to come and just put that car at unbelievable speeds safely you know, wherever it needed to be. And it was stunning. And, um, uh, and you know, I always felt a little dangerous, but uh, over and over again, I, it was, I realized it was in control. But the first time that they said, yeah, we can touch, and they actually did a bump in camera, I thought, wow. Well, well, look, as a movie director, I'm thrilled. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be glad when we wrap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Things changed after um, after Nicky's accident on, on, on different levels as well. We're gonna watch a, a scene here which is a press conference after his accident when he, when he gets back in the car.
0: James, do you think you can cope with the pressure? <laughs> well, I've never really understood what that means. I love my job, I love competing, I love racing. Maybe you should ask Nicky, he's the world
2: champion, he's got everything to lose.
3: Mr. Lauda, are you feeling pressure?
2: Do I look like I'm feeling
3: pressure?
2: <laughs> I'm world champion and on the verge to become world champion again. Hunt now is the opportunity to win, but it's not so easy to become a champion. You have to really believe it to make it possible.
0: James, is there anything you'd like to add? If Nicky is being tricky and getting a kicky out of playing mind games, <laughs> then fine, I'm flattered. But the fact is, momentum is with me. I've never felt better. I fully expect the next press conference we all have will be with me as well, champion.
2: Uh,
1: he almost um, developed a sense of humour as a coping mechanism, didn't he, after the after the the, uh, the accident? That's kind of what it felt like to me from watching the film. It felt like he he developed a sense of humour. Yes, after he did. After the accident, yeah. as a kind of coping mechanism.
2: Yeah, it's a self defence, you know, because it's so hard to live with that and yeah. to cope with it, and uh, yeah. He is uh, very um, sarcastic and ironic about it. And it's, uh, yeah, but he's very strong. I mean, other, other people would have been depressed after such an experience, but he is, he is, he's a tough guy. He's very strong.
1: Um, we're going to throw out some questions to you guys. Um, so we have a couple of microphones, I think, either side. So if you could raise your hands nice and clearly and we'll start the questions going. Who would like to go first? Uh, yeah. Um, what do you admire most about your characters?
2: Um, I envy I envy Nikki for being so straightforward uh, in fact I kept um, Nikki's character when I wanted to complain about something on set <laughs> <laughs> when the <laughs> catering was bad I said <laughs> the food is shit uh, so <laughs> <laughs> everybody was like <laughs> you know but I meant it <laughs> 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 so if somebody is so <laughs> yeah he's so <laughs> honest and so straightforward and sometimes I you know I would like to be a bit like that, you know? Because yeah. I.
1: Do you think he's rubbed off on you a little bit, Daniel? Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did. It did. Just a little bit. <laughs> Chris, what about you?
0: Uh, yeah, the same thing. I mean, uh, as saying before about the the honesty of these guys and the unwavering uh, sort of attitude about you know being who they want to be and saying exactly what they want to say and not conforming to any sort of standard that. You know the the whether it be the Formula One industry or what have you would put upon them, and um, whether you agree or disagree with what they say, I think you've got to admire the um, you know that 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 honesty. You know, I think we all kind of censor ourselves at times, and it's it's you know i said this before, but refreshing to see guys just go, "Nah, this is what I think, and this is how I feel,
3: regardless of what anyone else says." Um, yeah, I I, w- I always like to say that that. Um, you know, one thing I admire about the characters is that this is, and this story is, that, which is unconventional. I mean, I think people are always pleasantly surprised by this movie. Whether they, if they love Formula One, they're surprised that it's as authentic and and true to life as as as, as it is. If they if they don't care for Formula One, uh, they don't think they care like that sport. They're, they're they're surprised at how suspenseful it is and how emotional it is. But partly it's because. The story does not unfold in a conventional way, and that's largely be, by, because of the nature of these characters. There are so many things about this true story that you just wouldn't do in fiction. You know, the ending wouldn't unfold the way it did. The twist, the, those, those, those surprises—that's not the way it would work. And the unconventional nature of it really draws people in in a way. But I love the fact, and this is also something that you would probably put in a in a work of fiction if you were writing this. There was no guys didn't listen to anybody. They didn't bend to anybody. They compromised that much, not at all. They, There was no Yoda guiding these guys to a higher plane of enlightenment. You know, I mean, they just, they lived, uh, they lived, and they bore the scars, emotional or physical, of, of of the choices that they made, but they also really owned those triumphs, and that's unique, you know, and there's something very unique about it. There's a lot of things about them that you find are relatable, but there are some things that as you were saying you could wish you could be a little bit more that way there's some qualities that just are not like you and me it's not an every man's story no. you know there 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 there's something else there and that, 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 that kind of commitment too. i mean there's um in the
0: 70s four or five guys a year were dying you know uh, yeah. at, at, in in you know in the sport and i mean that's gladiators sort of stuff and you think for for what for entertainment and but the need to be good at something and, and prove that, you know, you are worthy or whatever that is. Uh, and that kind of commitment to anything. And um, these guys, as we've said, you know, had two completely different approaches, but an absolute uh, commitment, a hundred percent of the way to it. And, and there was no, you know, half uh, sort of an effort. It was uh, all or nothing.
3: So.
1: Next question. That, you, this lady is that quite yeah. Um, what was, if you can recall, only one the most challenging scene for you from your point of view and for you guys to perform? <laughs> Who wants to go first?
0: Oh, uh, the naked scenes were pretty <laughs> tough. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh,
2: <laughs> so we had a... <laughs> I, I w- Hey, I wanted the movie, to, sex is a big part of this movie. Uh,
3: it, it, and, and I really wanted it to be sexy and I actually kept turning to everybody and, cl- and I said, look, nobody's going to expect me to make a hot scene. <laughs> <laughs> you this has got to be a fucking hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. How do we do it? Everyone would turn to me and I'd go, ah, uh, <laughs> turn to the actress and say, <laughs> and Natalie directed split. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh,
0: it, they're, they're tough things to show. That was more intimidating than the, um, the, dri- the driving sense was walking across the set naked or <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's the two us trying to try it choreograph a sex then was uh, interesting uh, wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 left a bit right a bit uh, <laughs> how about you Daniel
2: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, <laughs> <laughs> the scenes with the teeth well uh, all the scenes were with the teeth um, um, <laughs> no um, um hospital no sometimes yeah hospital and the also the, the first press conference oh yeah the lung thing was, was yeah unpleasant mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> And the first press conference, because sometimes we we couldn't shoot chronologically, so we had to shoot this press conference. It's a beautiful scene, but we had to shoot it, yeah. uh, it was the fourth day, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you, ha- you had to anticipate the journey of the character, and then, you know, right, jump into something from the very end. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful scene, I love that scene, and I love the fact that he's there, and I don't realize that he's there, and... Uh, and the yeah. beautiful punch that you give to the, uh, well,
3: but yeah. you shouldn't. <laughs> you, shouldn't. Yeah, don't, uh, you, know. don't you have right to away. see the movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a great day to see you rise to that. Because from a production yeah. standpoint, you know, we had to do it in yeah, that yeah, way. I for know. Co- it was a cost thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think for me, the most challenging thing was the whole food the, the final sequence. As I said, it, 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 has, it has emotional, psychological demands, so there, there are acting challenges. And um, then it, the, the logistics of it were truly dangerous because the way we shot that scene, which is a wet race in the rain, it, we were shooting in England, and every time it rained, instead of going home, I would say, we're going to Japan. And and that's what we would do. It would become a wet race. And that's where we did have any of our near misses. We had some spin-outs, so it was physically dangerous, and it was also logistically very demanding. Um, we were all and, and just the storytelling, the music, Hans Zimmer's score, everything needed to... Sort of come together. The harmonics of that were really challenging, and it's one of the cha- one of the most challenging sequences that I've ever been involved in. And again, I think it surprises people. It's it's got twists and, and it's unconventional. And, uh, uh, and but it was part of the um, and I found it I found it directorially kind of nerve wracking, and and when it suddenly become everybody's favorite race, uh, and it, and it, which is uh, you know great because it's the last one in the movie. Uh, but it, it wasn't necessarily traditional. It didn't unfold in a way that gave me confidence that it necessarily would be.
1: Do you like feeling like that? Do you like kind of being in a, a, a slightly scared place as a director? And, and
3: well, almost every movie scares the <laughs> shit out of you at some point <laughs> in some way because it's just they are they're challenges. They're, they're elusive. They take on a life of their own. Um, you know, I, I care about it from my own perspective, but I also care about everybody who's committed their... You know this this portion of their their, their career to uh, to to a movie, but but this story it kept yielding so many surprises. We kept learning new things that were that were we knew were cool. You know, mm-hmm. and so there was a kind of a creative excitement going on. And I'm re- thrilled by the way people are responding to the movie. You know, I hope it's commercially successful. That would be fantastic. But. Creatively, it's one of the highlights of my life, and and, um, and I've had some great experiences. So you know, I uh, I really did love love getting to do this, and yet and and yet it was scary in some way, shape, or form every day.
0: Just wondering, uh, as actors, is it harder to portray a character who's r-
1: uh, real or a fictional character?
2: Well, it it depends. I mean, uh, on the one hand. Uh, it felt a bit frightening at the beginning because I felt this weight on my shoulder and the responsibility of playing uh, uh, a legend in my country. I mean, Niki Lauda is huge in Germany. He's a, he's an icon. Uh, and so I, yeah, it uh, made me a bit nervous. But then if you have a good relationship with this person and he is willing to answer you any question you would have and he likes the idea of you portraying him, then it makes life much easier because then you, you can't get any better information than from the living source. So... Uh, He would tell me things that you can't read anywhere, see anywhere, and uh, it became became really close. So it's um, helped me a lot.
1: Does he like the film? Has he seen it?
2: Yeah, he likes it. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, you know, uh, he's not a he's not a man who gets uh, very <laughs> emotional. <laughs> yeah. Really, he just says, "Oh, it's good, 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 good." Yeah, but uh, that means
3: a lot, you know. He no, no, he's yeah, he's <laughs> very pleased. He, he, I think he told me that it made him. I think the first time he saw it, it was unexpectedly emotional, and I, and I think he he almost didn't know, you know, how to process that because the hospital and everything that went, went that that he went through there was something that he had never really looked back on he's not the kind of person yeah. who who does look back he doesn't even keep his he doesn't even have any of his trophies or awards from all those championships i yeah. mean he, he really? no he's he's marching ahead at all times which i think is not you know there's a lesson in that for for us as well but this movie forced him to look back and it and um and i i think it was unexpectedly moving for him yeah
1: well, I'm afraid we're running out of time, but I've got one more question, uh, which I've, I've got to ask you, because there's a lot of people come down here, f- you know, filmmakers in the in, in the making, and we'd like some advice from you in terms of what would your advice be for, for young filmmakers.
3: Oh, well, um, you know, it's I it, believe it or not, it always comes back to story. So everything you do to try to understand that, from reading the newspaper, looking at documentaries as well as fiction, uh, reading... Uh, uh, look at the movies that you like and then look at them again and then watch them again with no sound and see how they were filmed, all of that. And, and, and then begin making films because today you have the technology to, 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 to be very experimental on your own. You don't have to expose it to anybody, but you know, be shooting, be editing, uh, and, and be writing. You know, just 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 all the time, you'll find your voice, and you'll find that group of collaborators, who will sort of help you elevate your work, and uh, you know they're just—it's more democratic than ever, and just to you know enjoy it. It's but but you know but it's story 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 in my mind, which always really begins with character character character.
1: And this is a great example of it. Um, Thank you so much for your time today and congratulations on an incredible show. Daniel, Chris, and Ron, everyone. Thank you for coming. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Pleasure.